Hello and welcome to Australian Gothic, a podcast about Curse Australiana. Uh, before we begin, uh, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Turbal, Yagra, Kwandamooka, Ngunnawal and Nyambri land. Uh, we acknowledge the traditional owners and that sovereignty was never ceded. And you've just arrived in the office. It's the 1st of November and everyone's notably over it. Uh, this is assuming they're even in the office because why the fuck would you be? In in this scenario, I've imagined that we all collectively as workers told our managers to fuck off and we now just like only come to the office whenever we want. Uh, commercial landlords are shitting bricks. I know this will never happen. <laughs> as you walk in, you shudder as you make eye contact with your most tedious fuckhead colleague. It's me, Lucas. <laughs> I wave and smile as I work on decorating our entire office. Just, just going ham. I'm covering every workspace with tinsel and bullshit. It's clear that I've invested a lot of my own time, energy, and maybe even uh, money into this. Uh, you correctly assume that uh, my job is bullshit. I don't have a lot to do. And so it is perfectly fine for me to be doing this. Or the worst case scenario, I am actually very busy. I'm overworked, but I'm still doing this anyway. You laugh nervously and make your way to your desk as I uh, gesture at the decorations. As you get there, a familiar song starts playing over the speakers. It's fucking All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. You grit your teeth as you understand that you're going to hear All I Want for Christmas roughly a thousand times. Woo, I love this song. It's your other most tedious fuckhead colleague. Jules, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so pumped for Christmas. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to play your part, mm -hmm. audience. Sorry. <laughs> uh, wow, wow it's, it's not even December yet, Jules. Halloween's over. It's Christmas time. Oh boy. Yeah, I've no you've noticed that all the Hall what few Halloween decorations have like vanished. Uh it's almost a bit sinister. Wow, that's so cool. It's very clear that uh while Jules is friendly, uh that friendliness is way for Finn. Uh you understand that your colleague Jules is also into Christmas to an unhealthy degree. If you push back on this at any point, uh or on playing Christmas music, they will become unusually aggressive. And I've come over too. Uh, you've been surrounded by your two most fucking annoying co-workers, and we're talking about Christmas. I'm so happy you put on a playlist of all the Christmas songs, Jules, even though Christmas isn't a month away. Yes, there's so many Christmas songs, and there's so many Australian Christmas songs. That's right, and we're gonna get in them today, but first, I did not think of... When I wrote this scenario, there were only two hosts. This is the fucking idiot way I have chosen to introduce Jules as Australian Gothic's new co-host. Hi everyone! By calling them uh, their friend friendliness wafer thin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It is so not. No. <laughs> the audience understands that Scenario Jules is nothing like the real Jules, who is a uh, lovely and very patient and uh, was a perfect fit uh, <laughs> after after we record the horny SBS episode. Uh, I actually saw that Jules posted about starting their own podcast and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, gotta shoot my shot now. <laughs> Josie <laughs> and I have been thinking of asking Jules for some time and so when I saw that, I was just like, ah, oh, wait. I'm, I'm so glad to be invited to the, the Osgoth family as a, as a regular member. Yeah, because for folks who have not heard Jules before, Jules was the guest on our Priscilla Queen of the Desert bonus episode and I would highly recommend people listen to that um, obviously sign up for the Patreon if you want but you can also just shoot us a message and we can send you over the episode it's really worth it we are a very exclusive podcast here at Australian Gothic <laughs> <laughs> 
in it for the money. <laughs> Those podcasting bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josie, uh, Josie, I guess, can be our manager if they want. And Josie, uh, you know, tried to do a Christmas in July party and uh, we all just had to go along with it. Uh, oh, no, I was just sitting in the corner being like, hey, you know, Hanukkah is technically before Christmas, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> uh, so today's episode... I'm very happy to have everyone here today. Um, this is our final free episode for the year, and uh, we decided to tackle a big one this year. We are tackling Australian Christmas songs. Oh, sorry, I should close out the scenario by saying that people who are really into Christmas are a bit weird. No! <laughs> come on, you've come across this. Like, I mean people who are, like, really, like, a bit too into Christmas. Like, I like Christmas. But uh, there are some people who just get really... Don't you notice that there are some people who get really fixated on it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the few subreddits I am subscribed to is our Christmas, because I like Christmas trees so much. Okay, okay. I'm so glad this is the first free episode with all three of us, and I've already put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's not like... I'm not, like, weirdly protective of Christmas, obviously. It's just fun. I'm a... Yeah, I'm a hardcore Christmas enjoyer. Yes. But also, I, I'm very, very happy to take the piss out of my traditions and everything. Oh, absolutely. That has not changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, there is a house in my suburb where every time I drive past, they just have Christmas decorations up all year. Yes. I love them. That is so good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, get a, I, I don't get uh, great vibes from this house. <laughs> menacing in preparation for this episode we trawled the internet uh looking for listicles i've ruined my youtube recommendations um but i think i've got i think we found gold i think we found the most comprehensive uh almost to the point of reaching list of like christmas songs that people fixate on um uh but before we get into it um i'll start off with you jules are there any christmas songs you like um i am so I'm not going to mention the ones on the on the the list yet because we'll get into that. I am a distressingly big fan of um, "All I Want for Christmas Is You" by Mariah Carey, and I am horrifyingly the person who starts playing that every single morning on the you know on the Bluetooth speakers in the main room of my house, which I share with you know four other adults every morning from November 1st. Uh, I am also a very big fan of Santa Baby, but only the Eartha Kitt version. Oh, okay. oh that sounds great, actually. the best and sexiest. <laughs> I think possibly I like both these ones so much because they're always covered by drag queens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're like big drag queen favourites. So they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of the queer Christmas songs. Yes. I think, because one's Mariah, obviously, and the other one is just somebody being like, you should give me expensive presents. Don't you think I'm sexy? That sounds amazing. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Those are my absolute two big faves. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll give it to all I want for Christmas. It's I bristle at it because I think it's overplayed. Oh, yeah. But it is a good song. Mariah Carey is an accomplished singer. This was like, you know, peak emerging Mariah Carey. Uh, not like, you know, late career Mariah Carey, who is like fascinating in a different way. Now, Josie, what a, do you have a Christmas song you unironically like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I was telling Jules about this before we started recording. I am the horrible person that listens to Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney all throughout the year. 
Um, <laughs> I, I love it. It makes me so happy. And uh, so there's that one. And then the other one that I really, really love and would encourage anyone to listen to as long as they're not around children is um, A Christmas Jewel by The Hives and Cindy Lauper. Um, it starts with like something about Cindy Lauper is like had sex with your brother and went down on your mother or something like that to like the other guy in the song like oh my and god and i'm like cindy <laughs> but it's a bop it's such a good bop oh my i'm adding it to the list please do it's i i can't emphasize how fun of a song it is. like it's just a good song i i did see someone i think was it you who posted it in the australian gothic discord yes it was me <laughs> i saw people reacting to it and was just like okay this is this is a different christmas song yeah it's um it's just a lot of fun yeah uh what about you lucas do you have any christmas songs that you unironically enjoy in the last couple of years i've become really smitten with not to sound goth on this podcast but i really like uh the sufjan stevens song lonely man of winter how is that goth <laughs> it's it's kind of sad oh, it's, it's a sad boy song absolutely <laughs> as we'll get into a little bit in for like a couple of songs in this list i don't mind the odd melancholic christmas song absolutely i love a lot of the stuff about christmas uh, because I get presents and get to eat and drink. Uh, but, you know, it, there is a lot of forced mirth. And, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, having, you know, some songs that are an antidote to that. And high suicide rates around this time. Uh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's nervous laughter. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> I'm also a fan for that reason of of fairy tale of New York oh, by the Pogues. Yes. Even the, you know, the problematic bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, because I like Christmas songs that talk about maybe people aren't having a good time. Yeah. Let's yeah. acknowledge that. A friend of mine took her five-year-old to a um, a Carols by Candlelight recently, like this year, and they did sing Fairy Tale of that New York. That is incredible. Unredacted. <gasps> oh, I don't no. Think... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What's the redacted bit? You don't have to, like, say exactly what it is. It's a slur for queer people starting with F. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I mean, the whole song the, the whole song is also about being in the drunk tank at Christmas. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And wow. like, there's, a, there's two people having like, you know, a, a fight, like a relationship fight. It's very, it's, it's not a cheerful time. <laughs> but it's a beautiful yeah. song. It's a beautiful it's song. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. The Pogues are amazing. And I think that there is, for me at least, there is a sort of, it's not as joyful, but there is an Australian Christmas song that I see mirrored a little bit in terms of like being locked up on Christmas, but not exactly the the drunk tank. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And I guess before we, I don't know, you can butt in if you want, Lucas, but like, I think something that like needs to be addressed in this episode is it's not going to be a Rolf Harris heavy episode. So no, it is. No, 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 it is not going to feature. But we're gonna we're gonna address one particular song, but like very quickly. Yeah, should should we're not we linger on just it. do that at the top so we can get it over and done with? Okay, so brief introduction to the list. Again, there is a lot of listicles about Australian Christmas songs, and I picked this particular one just because it was a list of top 10 Australian Christmas songs, and they've reached so hard. Even though this list was 
published in 2019, <laughs> they made the baffling decision to include the song Six White Boomers by uh, convicted child sex abuser Rolf Harris. Yeah. And this was like five years after, you know, he was jailed for his crimes. Just out of like morbid curiosity, I attempted to listen to Six White Boomers, which uh, in the song, a boomer is meant to be an old kangaroo. I've never heard the song before. Oh, sorry, I mean, never heard that word right. before the song. Uh, it's about like Santa flying over Australia and he gets kangaroos to do it instead. I never liked Rolf Harris anyway. I know that sounds easy to say like in this day and age, but like I always was confounded by his popularity. I like to think I'm, you know, I, I went through like an edgelord phase. I like to think like, yeah, I can listen to it. I just stop. I couldn't listen to it. I, I just could not stand listening to the fucker. Yeah, there's like, usually I can listen to a song and I can acknowledge that like someone is trash, but... Yeah, Rolf Harris and Lost Prophets are my two uh, artists where I'm like, I can't listen to this. My experience with Six White Boomers... So when I think of an Australian Christmas song, I do think of Six White Boomers because in primary school, they played Rolf Harris songs all the time. Um, and, you know, kids on assembly or parade would sing Six White Boomers as part of like the Christmas concert and stuff like that. So... To me, that was a core Australian Christmas song. Um, and one day, I think it was a few years ago, I started singing it and my husband was just like, Josie, you know, that guy is a sex offender, like a child sex offender. And I was like, what? And yeah, so that, that was pretty baffling. So now I catch myself when I start singing it. But yeah, we, we didn't want to harp too much about Rolf Harris, but we also thought that it would be we had to address the elephant in the room, I guess, but we can also move past Rolf Harris. Jules, do you have any hot takes on Rolf Harris? <laughs> I didn't hear this song till I was nine. Mm -hmm. The first nine years of my life were this, like, extremely, like, looking back, sheltered in a very specific way, okay. but, like, a very sheltered, super lefty, inner city, new town, bohemian upbringing. Right. And uh, my mum also really only likes classical music so like all the carols that were played at my house were like old choral music wow um written yeah written before the 20th century ideally Spooky. Um, she doesn't really believe that music should be like my my dad likes more modern stuff but my mum just sort of doesn't believe that music exists after the 1900s <laughs> um after the 1800s um like every every christmas morning she plays the, the entirety of the Messiah by Handel, which is like a huge choral work about the birth of Jesus. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's a big one. And then like, if you're walking through the kitchen, you've got to join in so I can sing all the alto parts. That's but, amazing. Um, That's fun. Wow. And yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of fun, but it's also a bit like, I'm just like, oh, she's such a weird nerd. I love that. That is very cute. Yeah, when I was nine, we moved to Central West New South Wales and I started a primary school there. And I started the week before the Christmas holiday. Oh, wow. Like, my mum was like, you can make friends. I'm like, all right. Yeah, and so I had to be part of the Christmas concert, and that was the first time I ever heard this song, and I did not know it. <laughs> I'd never heard it before. And people were like, how don't you know this? And then I was, like, hideously bullied for my lack of Australian knowledge. Like, I was just sort of not exposed to what turns out to be a lot of basic Australiana until I was nine years old. That's incredible. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's it's very weirdly sheltered. Yeah, like I knew about the AIDS crisis before I knew about Six White Boots. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, yeah. 
so like i i don't really have any like deep love for this song but like talking to like some of my friends about it like it's clear that you know a lot of people this was this was like a big part of their of their christmas childhood yeah and um and i think that that's sort of like one of those those things that's really sad in general about like like not in a (laughs) it's definitely not the worst thing that rolf you know because of the rolf harris stuff but it is that thing of when an artist turns out to have been a horrific predator like even if you are not a person who was affected Mm -hmm. by that it's still kind of like it taints all your interactions with their art. Absolutely. Yeah. And like it's really, it's really just hard not to have that reaction to it. And um, like when I was reading the the lyrics to all of these, like when I when I looked at the list, I was like, oh Jesus, this is everything about it feels extremely weird and creepy in hindsight. Like the and and I mean that's that's sort of the problem when when a predator is also a children's entertainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such an an added level just to go really dark here we're getting it out of the way guys yeah i was just like oh oh rolf you've just ruined everything haven't you you just yeah so i'm i'm fully on board with six white boomers being completely removed from any christmas australian christmas canon yes yes and my understanding is that it largely has been like the public has largely rejected rolf harris like his legacy you know all of his honors have been stripped the public monuments to him have been taken down in the youtube comments to the video because this list list provides youtube links um i found one person like desperately grappling uh trying to rationalize like oh but i still like listening to the song it's just like okay whatever mate fuck off yeah whatever (laughs) okay yeah, do that in do that in private, I guess. Don't play it in the supermarket. Exactly. I don't hear it in supermarkets anymore. Like the broader public have like broadly discarded this song, mm-hmm. which again is difficult because like it's one of the few well-known Australian songs and we've had to like put it away, but that's okay. We can do that. We can come up with new songs. Well, maybe there was I've got a new theory now cuz we'll get to it pretty shortly but maybe there was a void once we collectively decided to get rid of Rolf Harris there was this void and it needed to be filled with uh how to make gravy by Paul Kelly maybe that's (laughs) the gap that it's filling like kids aren't going to sing it and um (laughs) the uh like maybe they should maybe they should yeah (laughs) um but like I'm imagining some very some very well-meaning music teacher deciding like I'm gonna get my students to sing this like very sad song but uh yeah sorry we should we should save that till later though now that rolf harris is done uh thankfully um just before we get started on like the rest of the list sorry plus i have my own because i did a josie and i only listened to like two or three songs from this list and then decided (laughs) i didn't want to anymore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Some of them are really shit. Yeah. Notably, there's a couple that are being really pushed as important and culturally resonant, and, you know, you probably know which ones they are. We'll get to those. As we've discussed in Australia, we've really tried to do a Western-style Christmas, and there's there's always this tension running through it. Um, there's the fact that we're a very secular society doing a, a religious holiday, and that religious holiday is becoming more, like, you know, commercialised or, like, you know, separated from spiritual roots it's becoming just more of like a seasonal festival then there's the conflict between all the very wintry traditional imagery and the real world season um i watch tv with my kid and there's like a show on abc called kangaroo beach which is like a bunch of australian animals learning how to be lifeguards and they did a christmas episode that starts with like a cover of jingle bells 
that is all about this. It's just like, we don't have snow. We, we have to come up with like new shit. And it's like, it's funny that there's, once again, maybe just trying to fill that void of like, let's make our own Christmas songs. And we have to try and like make Australian imagery fit into this. Mm-hmm. There's this attempt to tie Australian national identity onto Christmas which is weird because in the US and the UK, there's there are no it's Christmas in the UK or you know at least not broadly popular songs I can that I can think of. Yeah, it's kind of unusual in Australia. There's this desperation to match Australiana to Christmas. Yeah, I I really noticed this with a number of the Christmas songs here, mm-hmm. and I, I I found it like quite quite fascinating because there's a number of themes that come up in these songs. That, that like as we talk about them and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking about the the really naff one like the drover <laughs> sort of like got my kelpie yeah. beside me sort of thing they position Australian Australiana in general and and particularly Christmas Australia the imagery they use is there's a lot of rural mm-hmm. like like proper outback Australian imagery mm-hmm. and also a lot of beach Yes. Imagery. <laughs> and sometimes both of these concepts will be present in the same song, despite the fact that if you're in the outback, you are nowhere near the beach. You are absolutely nowhere near the beach. <laughs> That's the opposite of beach. Um, and also then underlaid with what is actually more of a, a more ordinary um, Christmas, Australian Christmas experience, which is suburbia. Yeah. The attempt to kind of mix all three of these different environments together to create some kind of Australian homogeny. Because I, I think it, it does not resonate with a whole bunch of people just inherently because there are so many different Christmas experiences. Yeah, and like I I, I spent my, my late childhood and teens in central west New South Wales and that was still nowhere as like outback. Oh, really? Most of these. <laughs> yeah, like... Nothing like this. Like all these songs, and I mean, I guess this is—it's—it's Christmassy, so it's—it sort of makes sense that they—they talk more about a very Anglo-Australian experience. But like, there are a lot of people from European migrant communities all through Australia who celebrate Christmas in in ways that are not about yes, this yeah but like it's sort of this this real they're really pushing like the the anglo-celtic cultural dominance in a way that's kind of doesn't really exist anymore no. um, yeah and again not to allude to like the two key songs that really yeah. that are really being pushed as like these are our australian christmas songs uh, I think that is very much a reaction to all this dated imagery, to all these stereotypes that don't exist anymore. On that note, we're getting into our first song on the list, Aussie Jingle Bells by Bucko and Champs. <sighs> now, this is a song <laughs> that uh, came out in the 90s. Um, it was played to us at school. It is Jingle Bells, but with dickhead rural Australian man imagery imposed on it. I will read some of the lyrics. Oh, dear. It's apparently by, it's either by or then recorded by some people called Bucko and Champs, <laughs> which do sound like prime candidates for Australian drive time radio hosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just missing the, the woman. The with woman. Her first, yeah. her first name only. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel. Emma. Yeah. Um, Rachel Whiffer and the Cunt. That's right. We, we mm. have a sound yeah. for that, don't we? Yes, yes. <laughs> the lyrics. Uh, this is all to the tune of Jingle Bells. 
uh, dashing through the bush in a rusty Holden ute, kicking mm-hmm. up the dust, Esky in the boot, Kelpie by my side. Um, okay, Kelpies are dogs, just in case uh, people don't know. They're a cattle dog. Uh, singing Christmas songs. It's summertime and I am in my singlet shorts and thongs. Yeah, I have to resort to it. Uh, then the chorus. Um, so yeah, it's... We sang this at school when I was like in year three. Yeah, same. And every, I remember the first time hearing it and thinking like, ha, this is funny. And then every time I listened to it afterwards, it just got a little bit more bleak because this, this isn't my lived experience. Like the whole, and this imagery was everywhere in the nineties that like Australian men are manly dudes and like wife beaters and drive like shitty utes and they love going out bush. But it's just like, no, I'm a kid in the suburbs. I'm a little fancy lad. This and none of my friends are like this, really. My Christmases growing up were, like, when, when I had them at my, my, like, when I was little, we used to go to my great aunt and uncle's place, and the two of them did all the cooking together. And then, like, eventually it moved to my parents' place, where my parents do all the cooking together. There's not mm-hmm. this kind of, like, a, a number of these songs reference the idea that, like, the men in particular aren't going to do any work. That's just not the case from my experience at all either. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> who, who are these people? Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the rest of the song goes on like this. I made a special note at 44 seconds, out of nowhere it gets weirdly low-key racist. Um, there's gong noises, Um, the MIDI oh, keyboard no. they're playing on, like they have like, they've clearly picked up like a gong sort of sound. They add the kabuki yo sound oh, in there. What? Yeah, it's just... It's it's weird. If you listen to the song at 44 seconds, it just like breaks into like Asia Christmas. It's just oh, like, why? No. Why? Uh, was this anything to do with like anti-Asian racism in, in the 90s in Australia? Oh, well. Or, or are they like in a gross racist way drawing the attention that there have been Asian people here for a very long time? And paying homage to that? Somehow I don't think so. No, no, that'll be a... (laughs) The song is only about two and a half minutes long. There's a verse where it's just them laughing in time with the music. And it was like they ran out of Australian imagery to evoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like nervously laughing, actually. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else? Uh Yeah, it's... And yeah, it was uh, really confronting listening to it again and just being like, oh, this song has always been bad. I'm now struck by the horror uh, after talking to like other parents that this song is still played. Oh no. Uh, they still get school kids to sing it. So one day I'm probably going to have to like sit and listen to my kids sing this song at me. I'm so sorry. And I'll just be oh. like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You have, you have young kids. Have, have they sang this at school ever? No, he's he hasn't. Um, he he all he's come home is saying people keep saying Jingle Bells, Batman smells, but he they don't know that. <laughs> and he's just oh. like like why are they saying that Batman smells? They've never even like he's like Batman doesn't even exist. How do they know he smells? He's just like oh that's so beautiful. Thinking deeply about this, and I'm like it's oh. okay, it's okay, my guy. It's, it's just a silly song. But that's okay. I'm glad you're thinking critically about it. Oh, his podcast is going to be amazing one day. <laughs> his YouTube channel where he talks about everything <laughs> wrong with Batman is going to get so many likes. Yes, because he already like we've already had discussions about how uh, Batman's superpower is that he's rich. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. He, like, and he made that observation himself. Like, 
Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. My two and a half year old, sorry, before we end dad chat, uh, my two and a half year old is saying Spider-Man a lot. No idea where she would have picked it up or if a kid came to kindy dressed as Spider-Man, but... Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm fine with that. Oh, Spider-Man some, is cool. There's some, there's some um, like animated shows about multiple Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> on that are sort of a, like pre, like aimed at kind of preschoolers yeah oh. yeah like one of my one of my friend's kids uh likes to dress as spider gwen a lot yeah came to my birthday party dressed as spider gwen i'm like yeah cool i love this. i love that um I love that so yeah much. <laughs> one day i will show her into the spider verse i think i'll watch it first you know suss it out but yeah i've i've heard very good things about that movie and uh, yeah. this is this is how like kind of vapid Aussie Jingle Bells is. Is that the second we come onto a more interesting topic, we kind of forget about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like please let us never think about this song for any moment of time ever again. One thing about the song that made me really cross is there's a line that says "pack the car and all shoot through before the washing up." I'm like, no, like just everybody, oh, it's funny to leave without like helping your host. What kind of message is this sending? You fucking cunts. Bucko and Champs are never welcome to my Christmas. Like I I usually have an open door policy, but no, absolutely (laughs) not. No, like I cannot, I cannot imagine getting away with that. Like a number of these kind of tongue in cheek Christmas songs are just like, haha, show up and behave like a total asshole to your family. Australian Christmas spirit, like oh, they're just larrikins, just just larrikins, you know. (laughs) That is one of the most famous Christmas songs, and uh, yeah, sorry, this is the last time I'll discuss fucking how to make gravy and uh, white wine in the (laughs) sun. But I think again, those songs being latched onto is kind of like almost a life preserver because otherwise, it's this song. This is the Australian Christmas song. Yes. And I think it's mostly people our age or people around about our age who are just like, no, 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 no. There's got to be something else. It can't be this. It can't be this. Yeah, yeah. That's, I have I a lot to say about those two songs when yeah. we get to it. <laughs> so much. Yeah. I know. I'm trying really hard to hold off on it. I but, know. Me too. Yeah. Look, we will skip through the rest of these songs because some of them, again, this list is reaching really hard. And yeah. this next mm. song is by an act I've not heard of but absolutely seen, The Puppet Forum. Uh, Sammy J and Randy, who are comedian and a puppet friend who do banter. Uh, this is a song called Aussie Christmas. Uh, what's interesting about this list is that it's presented as a list of family Christmas songs. And mm-hmm. uh, Aussie, Aussie Christmas is shitty dated stereotypes about major Australian cities. It's from 2011. This particular clip is from the reboot of Good News Week, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've never seen Sammy J and Randy before. Uh, they suck. Some of the songs in this list, they, they just, they just desperately want to do a list of 10 songs. It didn't matter that like, you know, I've never heard this song before. No one has ever told me about this song. I don't think this is anyone's favorite Christmas song. Yeah. I, I know about Sammy J and Randy cause they do a lot of like, they do a lot of like ABC politics, little bits. That's oh. how I knew of them. I didn't know they did a freaking Christmas song. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard this before, and afterwards, I don't ever want to hear it again. <laughs> this is one I vetoed from my ears. I was just like, I can't. I'm yeah. not doing this. <laughs> uh, you did not miss anything. You missed out on lyrics like uh, the Christmas in Melbourne segment. Um, Rudolph's dressed up like an emo, drinking soy chai cappuccinos. Oh, fuck off. This song, this was from 2012. That those were dated as hell by that time. Like definitely the emo part. 
all the references in this are super dated. Like, I I got myself very angry about the Canberra segment. Oh, no. What did it say? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does talk about, like, roundabouts a lot, which I'm fine with because they're actually – they're great. Roundabouts are fantastic. I agree. Um, more cities <laughs> should have them. I, I only, I, I had my L plates for 22 years before moving to Canberra <laughs> and then got my P plates once I was able to drive in Canberra and not Sydney. Yeah. Because it's a lot more chill. So I'm, I'm a massive roundabout defender. But also uh, he makes a reference to porn and fireworks. And I'm like, what's that? Well, because, okay, like 20 years ago, Canberra was like one of the last places in Australia that you could legally buy fireworks if you could prove you were an ACT resident. Right. And um, for a long time when there were like porn, I guess, like restrictions on a lot of pornographic material, you could get stuff in Canberra that you couldn't get in other places huh. like i think particularly um a bit unsafe for work sorry sorry uh a bit about to go a bit unfamily friendly i believe that one of it was things like um you you couldn't get like porn of people pissing on each other in right a lot, like that was regulated in a lot of places but in canberra it wasn't huh. um huh. but like the fight like i think you can just get porn wherever and like there's the internet now so oh yeah yeah like that's not a thing but also you definitely can't buy fireworks um we yes. have we we have recently uh re-decriminalized uh cannabis mm-hmm. and um also i think like the the legislation has passed but i think that it comes into effect early in the new year that uh small amounts of possession of most prohibited substances are now decriminalized oh that's fantastic In, yeah it's actually like canberra's got some really good um decrim harm reduction stuff going on that's, that's amazing right. i love canberra I, wanna, um, I i hope we can get you to do a canberra episode because i know nothing about canberra and it does seem oh, like absolutely. a really cool place actually I've only been here about five years, so I am a recent convert, and mm-hmm. I am so surprised at how hard I have gone. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice in this song as well that there's Brisbane erasure. There was no Brisbane? They do the Gold Coast instead. Oh, it's because Brisbane's perfect and you wouldn't make fun of it. Yeah, like it exactly. just seems like a really nice place. Yeah, so nothing, <laughs> no notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going going back to the camera bit, this is the one joke I found vaguely funny is they just say roundabouts, 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 roundabouts. Yeah. That's so lazy, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but the bit about like the porn and fireworks jokes are things I heard a billion times as a teen. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard, them, heard a bunch of those well, jokes. Well, it used to actually be a thing, but yeah, again, hasn't been for like, Probably about a decade before this song was written. Right. They do Tasmania. They do like Santa's doing it with his cousin or something like that. And then they do a, we went there. And it's just like, yeah. (laughs) Again, I heard a billion Tasmania incest jokes as an adolescent, like in the late nineties. It's just like, you went there, this fucking 15 year old joke. Yeah. That's always been a thing. You donk. That by this time, this was the point where I was starting to hear about, like, no, Tasmania has cool vineyards and really cool food. It's, like, now known as, like, a, you know, a cool place to go. Like, mm-hmm. one part where I did laugh, yet not at a joke, was they did a Sydney joke. Santa's doing up his sleigh for the Mardi Gras parade. Crickets. Zero laughs from the audience, who who I feel are being coached to laugh because it's the most tepid laughter. Was this live? Yeah. <gasps> Mm. Oh, brutal. 
Oh. Yes, they do a Mardi Gras in Sydney. What other dated fucking stereotypes? Also, Mardi Gras season doesn't start till directly after Christmas. Yeah, so... Like everyone well, knows that, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also I guess Santa's time has freed up, so like, conceivably, he could make it to Mardi Gras. That's I mean, I do. think he would be very popular yes. at Mardi Gras. <laughs> like, he might want to, I would suggest that he might change his outfit up a little bit because it's still usually, it's still pretty warm in late February um, mm. in Sydney. So like the the full, you know, furs and velvet thing might be a lot. Red leather, harness bear, <laughs> Santa daddy. <laughs> the reindeers are just dudes and jocks. There's probably been a Santa float at some point. Oh gosh, yeah. That, that sort of line was like, yeah, okay, we've got Mardi Gras and then... Blitzen's coked up on the harbour, scoffing seafood marinara, and he thinks he's better than you. And I'm like, no, that's actually pretty accurate for Sydney. That's, um, yeah, very much a, a Sydney stereotype. It's, it's sort of one of those things where the idea of Sydney, as everybody is near the, the harbour and doing coke all the time, is very, very limited to the extremely wealthy. And yes. most people are just doing, you know, just living their lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stuck on terrible public transport, paying ludicrous. Yeah. Nobody's got Coke money in Sydney. That's just, um, yeah. I think that Sydney can only be enjoyed if you have the kind of disposable income for Coke. If, but, <laughs> yeah. if you have Coke money, you're having a good time yeah. in Sydney. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so again, we see in this list another big reach, a song I'd never heard of before, uh, Aussie Aussie Christmas by deeply obscure country music, Australian country music musician Amber Lawrence. I'd never heard of her before this. No. Uh, it is only two and a half minutes. Um, as the title suggests, they do a Christmas version of Aussie 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 Oi Oi Oi. Horrible. It is from 2017, I believe, or 2016. It's oh my god, that's so late. Yeah, exactly. And I've and I've <gasps> never heard of it before this. Like, not on radio, not in shopping centres. Probably because, like, yeah, we... Uh, country music as a genre, and particularly Australian country music, it's not, like, good country music, which is all about, like, you know, which is based and socialist as hell. Like, mm. you know, not not just because of their politics, but, like, it's, it's very akin to, like, contemporary American country, which is very poppy. It is targeted at boomers who drive huge trucks and yes. lead unhealthy lives <laughs> and have shit politics. Yeah, this this song's inclusion in any top Christmas songs list is is not true. It's not a popular country song. I'm going to say some of the lyrics. At an Aussie Aussie Christmas, there's more prawns than potatoes, more flies than mosquitoes, than presents under the tree. At an Aussie Aussie Christmas, there's more sunscreen than ice cream, kangaroos and barbecues, the bush or by the beach. Uh, that's that's Jules's point about uh, we have to get every bit of Australian imagery and cram it in there. Mm -hmm. And then the chorus, Aussie, Aussie Christmas, oi, oi, oi. Uh -huh. And the, you know, it's extremely acoustic guitars, fiddles, just just like template country music. And then, mm -hmm. and then the line after that is Aussie, Aussie Christmas for every girl and boy, which is non-binary erasure, <laughs> Amber Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> Canceling her. She can yep. do better. <laughs> Be better, Amber Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't have much more to say about this song. Uh, no, I, got... I, I don't have much to say about any of them until we get to the big two. Oh, I have one more thing to say about this one. Yeah. 
which is the line that, that, that almost does a tiny little bit of um, inclusivity of the migrant experience. Oh. Uh, just, just the tiniest little bit. Don't like, don't get excited. Um, <laughs> there's Nonna and there's Nana. There's Grandpa and there's Opa. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just like, oh, it's a like, it's it's still you know those are those are like, um, Italian and and German names for grandparents. So it's sort of like it's like it's acknowledging that that Chris that you know Australians are not just purely Anglo-Celtic. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a lot more than any other song. I'll take the crumbs. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of a like I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Uh the only other thing I have to say is that an alarming number of comments on this YouTube video are from video are from young people who say they sang it at school. The song's only about five years old, and I really hope I don't have to sit through this one because again, there's not a lot of Australian Christmas songs that aren't sung by child molesters. So so I imagine they're just like, okay, this song is like kind of gentle and doesn't have like vulgar themes. We'll get the kids to sing this, yeah. even though no one's fucking heard of it. Yeah, the um the end also goes with again the the juxtaposition of beach and outback imagery. <laughs> Both like Santa's got board shorts on and and an Akubra. He switches. He goes between beach and outback and just ideally ignores all of suburbia which ironically in the video clip is where it's obviously filmed yes Yes. so again we've got this like this really obviously suburban australian christmas where everyone is reaching for imagery of the outback and the beach and i'm yeah i don't know i i really i'm going down some kind of rabbit hole with this (laughs) and uh yeah i don't have anything else to say about the song it's in yeah, it's it's not popular. It is this <laughs> list is wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of these are very bad. <laughs> we can get this one out of the way. It's how to make gravy by Paul Kelly. Okay, here's where I come in. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Josie, go go play. <laughs> okay, so I've been thinking about so like I really want to talk about both Paul Kelly's How to Make Gravy and Tim Minchin's White Wine in the Sun, sort of like one after the other, but also at the same time. I already had a lot to say about Paul Kelly's How to Make Gravy, which was released in 1996. And I'd never heard of Tim Minchin's White Wine in the Sun, which is 2009. Um, But Jules, I remember you saying in the chat that um, you had like this theory that like, depending on which one of these two songs you identify with more, like says a lot about you or like, your general sort of family circumstances or maybe a level of mental illness you have. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, I think for for Anglo-Australians, for Anglo-Australians or Anglo-Celtic Australians, it's the, like, you know, Australians talk a lot about class, Mm -hmm. but I genuinely think that a real class indicator, like culturally, would be if you identify like your Christmas experience is closer to how to make gravy or white wine in the sun. Yes, and I like mm. I like this theory because this is really good. Because so I'll start with Paul Kelly's How to Make Gravy. We're actually recording this episode on a uh, quote unquote Gravy Day, the twenty first of December. Yeah, because that's when his um so. 
How to Make Gravy by Paul Kelly, released in 1996. Uh, something I've mentioned before, possibly even on the Christmas food episode, was how I had not ever really heard this song, uh, heard of this song, until people kept saying, it's gravy day, it's gravy day. And I'm like, what? Is that must be a new Paul Kelly song? And then I finally listened to it last year. Um, I did Google it, and apparently, for whatever reason, it just like became a hit again in 2019 when it entered number 37 in the top 100 charts which is bizarre to me when I first listened it's on my again my year-round playlist because I think it is actually a good song it's a really nice song. Yeah, it's beautiful really beautifully done and the first time I listened to it because I'm like okay what's everyone like raving on about when I first heard the song I cried after the first verse the last line of the first verse still hits hard so I'll read out the first verse Hello Dan, it's Joe here. I hope you're keeping well. It's the 21st of December and now they're ringing the last bells. If I get good behaviour, I'll be out here. Be out of here by July. Won't you kiss my kids on Christmas Day? Please don't let them cry for me. And I just like burst out into tears. Um, especially the way he sings, please don't let them cry for me. Uh, the way he sings that is so devastating. And already you can tell by the end of the first verse, this is a letter from someone, presumably his brother or his friend. Um, yeah, I think it's his brother. He's in prison. He's missing his kids. He knows everyone's celebrating without him. One of the many reasons I'm for prison abolition is that prison doesn't only hurt those who are incarcerated. It really fucks up kids as well. We are still learning about the short and long-term impacts of having one or more parents incarcerated while, like, as a child. Um, I mean, all existing evidence says it is not good for for kids anyway like I at least had I'm pretty sure I had at least one Christmas where my dad was in prison as a kid and I definitely had a few where he was in rehab and but I think that was like also if he didn't stay at the rehab he would go to prison sort of deal and yeah it really fucking sucks to not have your dad around and I know that like I feel like this this song is really really good I mean, most people are just like, oh, it's about how to make gravy because he sort of tells his recipe through of gravy throughout a little bit um, and like his ingredients he uses. All intertwined throughout the lyrics are when he's talking about like, you know, you could see him getting anxious that, you know, maybe his partner will move on. You know, he and he said, I'm so sorry. You just get so in your mind in prison. Like you become paranoid and frantic. And I think it just did a very good job at, about talking about like the dynamics of a family Christmas, the food, the arguing, the the interstate travel by car or whatever, um, how the day may progress. But the whole time it's a person who is missing out on it and is grieving, mm. missing out on both the good and the bad, and most importantly, his kids. I don't know, it just it really, really it really, really hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Like that that's just on a personal note. On a broader cultural level, I don't th- I think this is a pretty good song. Like it's a it's a good song to have like as a popular thing but it feels very like forced in the past couple of years and I'm not really sure where that came from if that makes sense okay I can speak to that um and it's the fault of Twitter Twitter yeah (laughs) I've been on Twitter for over a decade and a couple of my cousins are really hardcore Paul Kelly fans (laughs) right so it's sort of like you know, I, I know I'm, I'm quite familiar with most of his canon. and um, Jules, not to interrupt, but do you want to, for our foreign listeners, do you want to quickly uh, explain Paul Kelly? Oh, yeah. 
he's um he's an Australian singer songwriter. He sort of does like folk, blues, rock stuff. He's pretty popular. Uh, he's been working since the like I think the seventies. Yep. Uh, yeah. He's considered quite a like. I think quite an important Australian musician. And this is this is also where like I think that some of this comes in some of the popularity of uh How to Make Gravy and Gravy Day in particular comes in. So this is from nineteen ninety six. And so I will argue that this is this is a Twitter problem, but it's also mm-hmm. a Gen X on Twitter problem. <laughs> right. Um and how yep. and like obviously as we've been talking about in this, we like like we do not feel connection to a lot of these Christmas songs like it doesn't sit with us um it's not our experiences things like that I feel like Gen X is kind of the first generation that really started pushing back against that particular concept of Australiana yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm 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 elder millennial I'm like a few years into what's considered millennial there's like it's it's also at this time where like Paul Kelly so by the 90s and um and I think this is also why, like, a lot of Gen Xs and then uh, are particularly insufferable about Australian indie music, um, is that in the 80s and 90s, there was so much funding for the arts. Mm-hmm. Like, they're oh, just, man. like, it kicks in kind of at Whitlam in the early 70s and just sort of keeps going. And right. um, really to the end of Keating until when, like, Howard comes in in, like, 96. And, what a shock. Um, yeah. yeah, and so, like... Like I think in the in the Priscilla episode we talked about like the the incredible film industry that existed in Australia in the nineties. And um like a lot of that funding is gone now. Mm-hmm. And um and, and music was the same. Like if you look at like Australian indie music in in like the late eighties and nineties is phenomenal. There were so many bands and they were doing so much stuff. Like there was great live music scenes and there was like there was proper funding for the arts and for music and things like that. And Paul Kelly is definitely, you know, he's sort of, he's sort of part of that genre. He just keeps making music. It's like so much of his music is gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, he also like, he's a guy who has talked a lot about his problems with like particularly alcohol addiction, but I think also drug addiction. And he's very honest about the problems he's had as a, as a man and as a partner, he's still quite widely beloved. A few years ago, he participated in um, a cover or re-recording of his song, All the Dumb Things, (laughs) with the hip-hop group AB Original, which um, Briggs is part of. Oh, sick. Yeah, oh, it's so good. I've never heard of it. It absolutely rules. Get it it in you. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's it's really the live version is fantastic. Like it's it's so good. And um like he I don't think he's indigenous. Yeah, I don't know either. Um I was going to jump in and say that like the other cool thing about Kelly is that he seems like a musician who is extremely generous with his nurturing of young talent and and you know working alongside indigenous talent. Um th- those seem to be big aims for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he is he is kind of like he's quite beloved and and I think that this sort of is part of this like Gen X and younger drive to have some form of Australian culture that we can like cultural experience and identity that we can cling to in some way that isn't mm. just 
massively problematic and racist. Right. Or incredibly dated. Like the Bucko and Champs Christmas, like, you know, Rusty Holden Utes and Gross Dudes and Wife Beaters that don't reflect your lived experience. Like Yeah. And I think that like for a lot of people, people, you know, I remember like for a long time now, like definitely I would say the better part of a decade on December 21st, people tweeting about Gravy Day, or at least right. people in the kind of wonky Ozpol shitposting circles that I tweet in. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, so, you know, your, your mileage may vary. Being like, ah, oh, it's Gravy Day, listen to listen to Paul Kelly is like like a fun little thing, like a little uh... pretend tradition. And I think that this, um, this com- comes under what I am going to call the democracy sausage rule. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. like something that's kind of a little bit cute and tongue in cheek. Yeah. And that not like like not massively problematic that then people get really weird about. Yeah, right. We have attached to it. So, so much. few cultural identity markers. Sorry, also just to bring it back, I can identify with like you know, it being a cute little tradition thing. My thesis is that, like, yeah, it's annoying in the way that, like, oh, how, like, it's a little bit cringe, but also, like, it's so harmless and so who cares? But, yeah, it reminds me of, like, you know, a lot of people I follow on the 24th of February at 11am will be like, it's Twin Peaks Day because that's the day that uh, Agent Cooper enters the town of Twin Peaks and he, like, says it into his little speaker in the pilot yeah. episode and so like i make cherry pie on that day like it's hmm. dorky as um but it's fun so yeah i get that i think that also like so many of the actual australian holidays are so probo yes like what have we got we've got australia day ew. Oof. <laughs> um anzac day Oof. like melbourne cup day like those are like those are the kind of the the secular ones and they are all fucked yes yep. yes yeah, like, I, th- I think that there is kind of not really a, like, I wouldn't really call it nationalism, but I think there is some kind of, like, there's a drive for some kind of shared cultural experience, but ideally one that isn't, isn't just cooked. Yes. It's hard to get that because, like, the colony is so cooked. It's, it's <laughs> broken all the way down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, any of the ones that are kind of state-sanctioned, um are gonna be are are just gonna be really really fucked and there's like there's yeah there's worse things than everybody getting a bit irritating online um i'm like if this is just we all listen to this song because it says it's the 21st of december there's there's worse things like i i like that they don't do either the the bush or the beach yeah dichotomy i do enjoy that they they talk about how it's going to be really, really hot, but that won't stop the roast. Like, I like yes, the yeah. inclusion <laughs> of, we will continue to have absolutely seasonally inappropriate food. And and obviously, like, the core of it is is he's missing his kids, but there's also just, like, all that other, that stuff of, you know, you're going to see your family, they are going to irritate you in the same ways they do every year. Um, like, or in this case, he's not going to see them, and he's missing that. Like, he... Like, we spend every second Christmas with my family. We're going up this year. And two years ago, we missed it because um, we were, we'd were we been close contacts and there were, like, border closures and things like that and we couldn't get up to my family's place for Christmas. And, like, 
I felt so much loss at that. I'm like, oh. that was just COVID. You know, I wasn't in yeah, prison. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like, right. But, you know, all things considered, it was okay. Yeah, that, that thing of, like, the, the Christmas tradition is continuing, but you were not there. Yeah. Is so sad. And I think that, like, anyone who's ever missed a Christmas for reasons they didn't want to, mm-hmm. especially if they, you know, if they have a, a decent relationship with their family, can identify with this even though it's really about a very specific experience that is not universal Mm -hmm. that that sort of that yearning for what what feels like a more authentic christmas experience than most of the other ones in this list absolutely and the fact that christmas is a footnote is really good yeah it's more about being with people what's interesting to me is that yeah i like i said i don't i really like a melancholic christmas song uh, it's a really lovely song. It has this tone of regret and longing um, for Paul. Not that I'm a big Paul Kelly fan, but I found it interesting. Um, this apparently is the same family of characters uh, as is depicted in To Your Door, another very famous song about like <laughs> yes. about substance abuse. Um, this is the main character of that song is the one in jail who oh. is writing the letter. Oh dear. Song-wise, this is the tiny bit of music theory I know about. It's very interesting that the song features all major chords, which are very happy and uplifting, but it is lyrically such an extremely sad, longing song. Uh, it's a it's a really powerful mm. dissonance, I think. I, I call that the, the death cab <laughs> sound of settling rule, where it's a very joyous song and you're like, oh, this is fucked. This is so sad. This is depressing. I love that, but I didn't recognize that. See also uh, the song uh, Magnolia by Gang of Youths, which is a content warning, a song about the lead singer attempting to kill himself by running out in front of a car, but it is such a is such Ooh. a happy song until you listen to the lyrics. It's a bop. It's a bop, yeah. I suggested it as our wedding dance song, and then I listened <laughs> to the lyrics and I was like, oh, uh... okay. <laughs> you should have done it. That would have been <laughs> no. such a move. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the song? Oh, just musically, there's also no chorus. Great point. There's no chorus. There's, yep. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess, like, people argue that, and give my love to Angus, but no, that's just when, when it kind of, the beat drops, as it were. No, no actual technical chorus. There's nothing that comes back. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Just again, getting back to Christmas tension, a lot mm. of the songs in this list, I, I think what makes a Christmas song or, like, a Christmas carol is the ability for children to sing it. Uh, mm. That's probably why, again, Curse Song Six White Boomers was so popular because it had like a chorus and verses and was very like kid friendly. How to Make Gravy is probably not a song you're going to hear at schools because there's no like chorus to go back to. If you didn't learn the verse, you can't just be like, oh, well, I know the chorus. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a non carol song. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame because it is very good and Paul Kelly is fantastic. In terms of structure, yeah. I know we're running a bit long, so I think. We should go straight to White Wine in the Sun, but yes. quickly, I'm going to quickly rattle yeah. off the other songs that are included in this list. Uh, there are a couple of other, there's The Carol of the Birds by Bucko and Champs, uh, there's like, and then like a 12 Days of Christmas also by Bucko and Champs. They're the same shit as like Aussie Jingle Bells. It's like we've taken existing carols and rattled off like yeah. three meat trays, two meat pies. It's 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 fucking tedious. It's a listicle of, of Australiana, basically, in, in audio format. I do just have a, a thing to say about the 12 Days of Aussie Christmas, if we can do that. Sure, sure. Um, which is that 
it's it's on the first day of Christmas my best mate gave to me, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which which is some kind of like mm. positioning of Australian masculinity where you can't acknowledge your love and affection for your best mate, but also he's more important to you than ideally your true love. Like there's some kind of fellas. Is it gay, is to, it have gay to have true love? love? Yeah. Even just fellas, is it gay to have close male friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these Christmas songs kind of, or, or like a lot of them, it's not just an Australian, like like it's the the Australian identity that they are creating is very much a male identity. Like these are songs about Australian masculinity. Yes. One that kind of doesn't, like still kind of exists, but is dying out. You know, the things mm-hmm. that he suggests his best mate gives to him are like, meat trays which for international listeners um, a lot of the time when you go to the pub you can enter a raffle to get a meat tray which is just like what it sounds like a tray of like different meats from a butcher shop um they it's usually a fundraiser like in uh in the the village i grew up in it was always a fundraiser for the rural fire brigade which is a volunteer organization um you know, you just you get in the meat tray raffle. What's What's interesting about Twelve Days of Christmas is that um, okay, I only this year found out what a jackaroo was, even though I've heard it in a bunch of Australian songs. It's like a a cattle, an Australian cattle rancher, effectively, usually a younger person though, uh, usually male. Uh, but again, this song is like you know, uh, nine jackaroos, eight jolly jumbucks, ten sweaty swaggies. Oh, ew. <laughs> it's it's sort of going to you know a a like banjo Patterson era. Australia, like a pre-Federation mm-hmm. era of Australia, but then also like a kind of 1960s, 1970s masculine Australia with the, the cricket legends and the um, footy fans and things like that. Like it's all really heavily masculinized. And then weirdly just some Australian yep. animals in there too, dingoes and platypuses. No cooey corner, sadly. Oh, un-Australian. No. Oh God, how could you for- exclude the precious cooey corner? Did I give an update? On the cooey corner? No. What? So you're actually doing it? No, no, no. I can't remember if I mentioned. I think I did. I think I did. How I, I technically have a cooey oh. knickknack. What was it exactly? You mentioned having one, but yeah. It was. Oh, it was a cook. It was a cookbook, and it was an indigenous cookbook. But yeah, I was like, technically, this is a cooey knickknack. You've got the start of your cooey corner. I can begin my cooey corner. I'm stuck on finding the second article of my cooey knickknacks, though. Do we have any others we can just like push through before we get to white wine? Okay, sorry. Um, this list also includes. There's two more that I'll linger on. Sorry. Um, three drovers, which was an actual in this list. It's presented as a cover by Lee Kernigan, who is another Australian, who is a more well-known Australian country music singer, and apparently puts the cunt in country music, according to people I know who've worked with him. Um, sure. But it's him doing a cover of Free Drovers, which is actually a very old Australian Christmas carol that I used to listen to as a kid and I didn't know was Australian. Uh, it's it's Free Wise Men, but Free Drovers. I think it's a nice song, but only when it's sung by the Sydney Philharmonic Choir, who are this very, like, uh, they sound kind of ghostly and cool. They do these really nice harmonies. We used to listen to a lot of their carols when we decorated the Christmas tree growing up. So that this is like a rare song in this list that I don't mind. Uh, the Lee Kernighan song sucks. Yeah, his cover of it is really bad. <laughs> um, I agree with you, Lucas. It needs to be done by like a full choir. 
Yeah, um, this was a uh, part of a suite of like five Aussie Christmas carols written by William Garnet James. And they did become like Aussie standards and they are fine as long as they're sung by like a giant choir. But any song could be made good if you get a giant choir to sing it in harmonies. Is he also um, the writer of Carol of the Birds? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're very, that that's the same kind of like, it's, it's Christmas imagery, but it's, both of it's kind of outbacky, but I'll allow it just because it kind of sticks to only Outback. Right. And they are kind of nice, well-written songs. I don't know, if you're going to use, like, tired Australian imagery, these are probably, like, the songs that have aged best out of mm. it. But uh, that's about it. Um, the only other song I had to mention from the list was uh, Christmas Photo by John Williamson. I have so few notes on this. Um, uh, John Williamson is fine. He's another Australian country music singer, uh, mostly for novelty songs. Christmas Photo is, is fun. It's something I would have liked as a kid. I don't think it caught on because it's very fast, like lyrically very fast. He rattles off like Australian family Christmas party shit right. in a tempo that a child would not be able to keep up with. It also has the weird gendered stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Stereotype where there's a line that says, all the ladies do the cooking, all the men are really slack. Oh, fuck off. At least acknowledges that that's, yeah, get fucked. Yeah. Um, as a man, why can't you cook? Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. <laughs> do a fucking barbecue. Destroy yeah. some meat. Yeah, barbecues are such a cultural thing here, and it's only in recent years we've realised how bad we are at it. But now let's get on to the actual yep. one. I'm very hungry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have work to do. No, I've been yeah. having a great time. Me too, me too. Either of these songs could have been their own episode. This was silly of me to do this whole mm -hmm. list. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, like, a few of them we could... Maybe just for pacing, we could think about cutting, but I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. No, no, no. I'm getting this all out. <laughs> <laughs> the final song and, and, and the other song that is held up as like a beloved modern Australian Christmas song, White Wine in the Sun by Tim Minchin. Does anyone have like an introduction to Tim Minchin? Because I don't know who the fuck Tim Minchin is, really. Australian comedian. Uh, he emerged in the 90s. I remember seeing him on the Comedy Channel uh, sort of emerging and being oh. pushed as like, oh, he's like a funny, you know, he plays piano, he sings songs, he makes like quite observational comedy. He is, was, uh, continues to be like a noted skeptic, uh, very famous for a song about like Cardinal Pell trying badly not to be extradited to Australia. Yeah. I did like that one. That mm. was great. Um, he is mostly pretty cool. I, I believe he is like a cool guy. I haven't heard anything bad about him. What's interesting about this song is that this is like another melancholic song. What I remembered most about it after listening to it years ago when it first emerged in the mid-teens as like, oh my God, it's an actually good Australian Christmas song is the back half of the song is extremely lovely and pretty. The first half is extremely mm -hmm. 2008. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm an atheist actually. Yeah. Can I listen to it for the first time this morning and I have <laughs> yes. my live notes here? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my Go God. <laughs> I had to pause it after like the third line. This is, as you just said, Lucas, extreme 2008, 2009 peak R slash atheism subreddit bullshit. Before it had gone really really bad oh it is so cringe before we understood that edgy atheists some of them were fuckheads and became yeah. like outright fascists yeah 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 so it's yeah. very much of its time so he can kind of be forgiven <laughs> for 
uh, kind of be forgiven. Still hard. I don't really believe that. The line, I rather break bread with Dawkins than Desmond Tutu. And I had to pause it and I just lost my shit. Like, I rather break bread with Dawkins and Desmond Tutu. Yeah, I rather break bread with this fucking weirdo nerd who can't stay in his own damn lane than with someone who's Mm anti-apartheid and, like, actually, like, for the liberation of Palestine and Palestinians. Like, yeah, I rather, okay, whatever, man. (laughs) I lost my shit so much. So, so yeah, it's, I wondered because I was like, oh, that is a nice Christmas song because I forgot about the whole intro where he like gets very preachy and just like stops singing and just fucking talks. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is another song that is probably, man, if I, if my kids sing this at school, I will be laughing my fucking head off. I will have to run out of the room. Um, (laughs) Like listening to these fucking seven-year-olds try and say these like, these rants. Who's Dawkins? <laughs> just, just show them that tweet where Dawkins um, talks about seeing their unhoused person with a sign that says, I need a fat bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that what Dawkins... Or like his angry tweets where they took his jam. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. My next note was, okay, he did call Jesus a Palestinian, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then... He's like, I'm not expecting a visit from Jesus uh, on Christmas Day. I'm like, no one is. Do you even know what fucking Christmas is, you wanker? Um, and then he said, I'll be seeing my dad. And then I, my note was, okay, no need to brag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. um, so, yeah. sorry, that's the end of my, yeah. like, shock. And then the rest of it was actually, like... As you said, Lucas, the rest of the song is actually really nice. So the start of the song is this weird, um, like, edgelord, atheist rant. And then he talks, he's talking to his daughter and he's saying that, like, she'll be there at Christmas um, and she'll be passed around. And basically, like, no matter where you are in the world, you know where we will be every year and you'll always be loved by all of these people and you're always welcome here. I don't believe in... Um, like God, but I love Christmas because this is a time I get to spend with my family. Now, before I end, what I will notice is like, because I was thinking the whole time about Jules's comment about like how different this is from a lot of people's experience depending on class. Um, wine, white wine in the sun. I, my, we had fucking Forex gold and Bacardi breezes if mum was feeling fancy. Never had wine. Um, maybe fruity Lexia. Um, <laughs> otherwise, the jet lagged baby. People fl- like I know that this is now maybe a more common thing, but absolutely no one could afford to fly interstate, um, let alone internationally. Like that's very much a him thing, in my opinion. But um, otherwise, not my favorite song. I don't like his singing. I don't like his style. Weird rant at the start, but I totally agree. That's why a lot of people do like Christmas. Like, you're not unique by thinking that this celebration of coming together is nice because you're together. Like, that's... But it was nice towards the end. Anyway, that's my rant. What did you guys think? White Wine in the Sun is so absolutely what my family Christmases are like. Really? Um, right down to uh, my my mum, who, as I've said, like, loves choral music and, like, hymns. Yeah. And absolutely hates organised religion. 
Um, right. Because she went to an Anglican boarding school. And I think, like, Tim Minchin also went to, um, an, like, an Anglican private school. Ah. And, like, a lot of, like, a lot of the most hardcore, like, in my experience, most of the most hardcore atheists, particularly the ones who um, went through a r slash atheism phase, like a proper skeptic one, did have specifically a private school Anglican education. Mm. So I mm-hmm. think that, like, like I know a lot of people who had private Catholic educations and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Catholic Church is fucked. Everyone knows that. But they're a lot more yeah, chill yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's like a certain edge in, in my experience of my friends, anyway. Um, so, yeah. you know, everyone's mileage may vary of, of like that really angry atheism is about that and um that that thing of like but i quite like the songs is so my mom because she she avoids church like the absolute plague but she will go up the road and sing with the church choir at christmas and um that is yeah and so like like it's it's kind of so i sort of i i see that and we do have like we put a big trestle table underneath the trees in our backyard and we, we have like, and set it really nicely and we, we eat Christmas lunch out there. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's so lush. It's so to nice. To be clear, I am yeah. jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, um, yeah. And like, and also this thing of like any religious aspect of it is entirely not important but that thing of, of of seeing people seeing your family and just sitting around and drinking white wine in the sun with them um and yeah and like there's no kind of i i've been feeling this quite a bit this year because um uh one of my one of my favorite cousins is living in america at the moment uh with her her husband and uh they're expecting a baby and um and we were having a chat about it and uh, and talking about how, like, one Christmas she's going to be, she will eventually, like, fly back um, for Christmas. And and that will be the experience. It'll be the white wine in the sun yes. experience. And, um, yeah, and I was like, oh, it's so nice. Um, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I, like, and again, like, yeah, I, I'd forgotten about the the, the weird ranch at the beginning, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm like, oh. I think everyone forgot like how how edgelord and smarmy it is at the start. But then it's so sweet at the end, like like really beautiful, like the type of parenting and like security I would want for anyone. Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I think I get the impression that he's um. Like I, I don't think he's gone too hideously edgelord. No. Like as a as, like post this, you know, he definitely didn't fall into weird fascism. No way. Um, Not from my understanding, yeah. anyway. And yeah, yeah, I think I think I can. He's forgiven because yeah. he did put this out in two thousand and nine, and so yeah. that is his saving grace. I yeah. was one of these guys a little in bit. In two thousand and nine, like, I think. <laughs> I think my husband was one of these guys in 2009. Again, I'm pretty sure yeah. an Anglican private school. Yeah, it seems yeah. to have really done the number it's a on a thing. lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it smells crazy in there. Um, yeah, like there's there's like a real rage at them. And just like a way of um, not rebelling because like I, I also believe that. But rejecting. Rejecting maybe. it, I think. Yeah, yeah. A real purposeful rejection. Of it, yeah. It's a yeah. real I'm an adult now and I 
I'm going to be loud about it. And then you, the good outcome is you settle the fuck down. You find some other things to like concentrate on or you become a weird, you know, internet psycho with a YouTube channel and people tune in to make fun of you. Funnily enough, this is the general trend of quote unquote youth crime <laughs> is that um, you have a few years of mucking about. Some people choose to be angry atheists online. Um, some people just do some light hooning. Mm -hmm. Um after a few years, you can you either just like chill the fuck out as your brain grows a bit more, or you um, become a weirdo on the internet, or um, you get serious about it. Serious about hooning. <laughs> Putting on my crime fedora to go do hooning. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> crime fedora. Oh. oh my god. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt. I just thought that was that's a funny thing that we've managed to pull out of this. Is um. Yeah, don't don't send your um your son to an Anglican private school because they're gonna get real weird for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> write a whole album about how you're a very smart atheist, actually. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if they re-released this song without the atheist tract? Like the oh. outrage there would be, but like you know, okay, now we've we've extracted the part of the song that everyone remembers. Yeah, and I don't even think the atheist part is so bad. Even at the end, when he mentions it, he's like, "Hey, regardless of like religion, I'm still I still love Christmas so much." And I'm like, "Yeah, cool." I think you could even start at "I don't go in for ancient wisdom." Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. That I don't. I. I don't believe just because ideas are tenacious, it means they're worthy. I'm like, that's... That's yeah. fair. <laughs> and and I do... Yeah, and like, and I mean, I do like that some of the hymns they sing have nice chords, but the lyrics are dodgy. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then, then there's... The, oh, no, but then there is a little bit like... I'm just looking at the lyrics now, though. There is a bit more um, him yelling about his Anglican private school education. <laughs> um, Glad you got it off your chest. <laughs> artists work through their trauma in their art to their song to their infant daughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> who i bet is getting i assume is not getting an anglican private no, school education no, i don't think so <laughs> um i would just like to quickly um shout out two songs that i think people should add to their non-carols australian christmas list and that is stella donnelly's 2019 song season's greetings i, I would recommend watching the video clip because it's kind of cute and funny it's a beautifully toxic christmas lunch set on a cricket pitch somewhere in australia uh, and it's very much a song about seeing someone at a Christmas meal that you spend the rest of the year avoiding and just sort of all the feelings that come up about it. Um, there's one line, I think she's sort of defending her mum, the speculation that it's her, about her like maternal grandfather and she's like, my mum's still a punk and you're still shit. And just the way she delivers that <laughs> uh -huh. line is really beautiful, like as in just like really cool. Um, and then the last one for me is Courtney Barnett's Boxing Day Blues. Uh, 2009 uh, 2015 Courtney Barnett is great for many reasons this song was produced by Jack White um it's just oh, a wow. song that evokes the sort of come down of Christmas in my opinion um and I just want to read a tweet by someone named Adam Hughes uh they just said listening to Courtney Barnett's Boxing Day Blues whilst having my post Christmas wine poo and it is the best mood <laughs> <laughs> It was just beautiful. I loved it. Um, so those two songs, um, to finish up, I'd recommend listening to those. I'll get on that. Link in the description. Jules, do you have anything else? No, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, both of you. Absolutely. Thank you too.
Oh, thank you. I, I am very quickly, uh, because it's the end of the year and, you know, the end of our first year as a podcast, I do want to thank you, the listener, everyone who has, like, listened from the start and supported this show. It's been an incredible year doing this alongside all my other stuff, and uh, I'm very excited about where the show is headed, particularly now that we have Jules on board. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, thank you all, and thank you very much for my co-hosts for sticking with it. Yeah, thank you, everyone. I'm gesturing to my computer. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And um, thank you to, and and hello to everybody who hasn't heard any of the bonus episodes yet. Um, I'm Jules. They're Jules. Jules will be your favourite very shortly. I'm certain. Of very it. much. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. Uh, happy holidays. We went there. Okay, bye everyone. <laughs> oh my god. We went there. Bye. Hi everyone. Uh, I forgot to add this to the section about Paul Kelly's gravy. Uh, I had one more thought. I think another reason uh, people like that song so much is because Christmas is such a time of outward sentimentality, often sometimes even mawkish sentimentality. Um, You know, a tough song about, you know, a man in jail missing his family is kind of like a safe way for certain people to feel sentimental. Uh, a bit like, it's very similar to me to the fixation on Die Hard being a Christmas movie. It's like, okay, here's something at Christmas that it's safe for me to enjoy. Uh, anyway, that's enough of that. Um, if you like the show, you can uh, support the show on Patreon, uh, link in the description. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Luxasm. You can follow the show at Ozgothic Podcast, and we're on SoundCloud as well. And you can follow Jules at Jules Furious on Twitter. Thanks everyone, happy holidays, love you.